join me in prayer. Gracious God, open our hearts and our minds as we listen to your word, and we hear it, and we apply it to our lives. In Christ our Lord, we pray. Our Christmas morning is a very meaningful time to come and worship the most precious gift. It's also an awkward time. I know growing up, the Christmas morning was for coming out in our jammies and opening presents. So I'm sure some of you probably were right in the mid-rip when you heard the words, okay, get ready for church. I think one of us may out there was. But, uh, it, it's a great time, though, to come together and to explore the first gift, the best gift, the reason we give gifts and the reason we receive them is because we have received the greatest of gifts. You know, when we think about the gifts that we're given, the gifts that we give, you know, we measure which ones are the best. Are they the biggest? You know, the, like a house? Have they ever received a house before? A car? Okay, maybe a car. But is big is not always the most expensive, right? It can be small. It can be a piece of jewelry that, that is handcrafted and it's beautiful and not the size, but the immense cost that it took to purchase that to bring it to you. It could be a gift, the most precious, that because of the person who gave it, the one that means the most to you. Or it could be a gift that you saw the planning process to make it happen where it was months, maybe a year in the process of thinking about, and because of the intensity of time and focus and effort, that's the best gift. So as we look at the gift this morning of Jesus, John opens to us a unique perspective. Now, Matthew opened up a real scoop behind things when he talks about the fulfillment that Jesus, this babe in a manger, was the fulfillment of all of the promises of Scripture and over 700 promises that Jesus perfectly fulfilled all of them. And that, that scoop that he brought is powerful to us. Luke brings the scoop of the, the, the uniqueness of Jesus coming into human history at the, the time of a census and Quirinius is governor and, and Caesar is on the throne and, and in the midst of all of these power, power competitions, in the midst of that, the ultimate God comes with the ultimate power and gives the gift. John gives a unique scoop. It's an inside scoop because, because John had a unique relationship with Jesus as, as one of the inner three, one of the, those who, who had, had walked with him and knew the intimacy of the behind-the-scenes con conversations about who Jesus really is. But he also has a unique perspective that none of the other apostles or disciples had. Because he, on the island of Patmos, saw not just the, the Jesus who had just been resurrected, but the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who made and created all things. I, I want to read you what he says about this Jesus whom he saw in an inside scoop. He says this in chapter 19 in Revelation. He said, look, and then I, the heavens opened, and behold, I saw a white horse. And the one sitting on it was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flaming fire, and on his head are many diadems, crowns. And he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and by the name which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on a white horse. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. This John saw all of this with his mind barely able to comprehend it. And it is this John who writes to us about the Word. So I want to explore what John says about this Word in a couple of categories. One is he talks about the unfathomable, unfathomable immensity of God in giving this gift. The unfathomable hologos, Word. In the beginning, in arche aim, hologos, kai hologos. In the beginning, in the arche, in the before creation was ever made, in the archaic architectural pre-design of the entire universe, in that time was the Word. In that beginning, the hologos, the, the mind of God, the, the will, the perfect love and expression of creativity, in this beginning, in this before time ever created, this baby Jesus was and is with God and is God. Unfathomable immensity to this God. And, and, and He is the Word of God. And it's hard for us to completely comprehend that Greeks and uh, tried and, and, and Romans and philosophers in Jewish theology have tried. But the Word of God is the expressive creativity of God. Spoke, spoken and speaking creation into being. I had the opportunity to learn what word, how words are formed. I was strapped to a polygraph test. I was 21 years of age. I had just applied for my first career. Starting in law enforcement, the Gainesville Police Department. I applied and, and, and uh, was, was able to, to get on with the force. And to do that, you have to go through this polygraph test. And they strapped that, you know, thing to my chest and put all this stuff all over me. And then they started the Inquisition. I don't know if you've ever had that done to you. But, but the thing that, that was astounding to me was not just the questions, but it was my own physical reaction. What I discovered in that moment is that you cannot speak a word if you are not breathing out. And of course, I was so terrified. Breathing was something I had to think about. But so, so as, I, as I realized to form words to answer the question yes or no, I had to breathe out. That, that, that process of forming something in my mind, say if I was forming, I want to tell my children, I want to tell my daughter, my son, I love you. To form it in my mind and hold it in my heart and then begin to express that out into the reality that they can hear. I have to think it. I have to feel it. And at that process, then I breathe it. My, my breath, the ruach, which in Hebrew is, is breath. Ruach HaChodesh is the Hebrew word for Holy Spirit. It is the, the Spirit breathing out and across the vocal cords forming these words. It is this the, the mind and the heart of God breathing with His Holy Spirit and forming the creation. And that mediation of a beautiful community is what created everything we have. The immensity of our creation is truly unfathomable. I was watching a, a video about what that looks like. And, and uh, one of the, uh, the astro astronomers, he held up a little golf ball. He said, if, if the golf ball, if this golf ball were the earth, use a little imagination here, then the sun would be 15 feet in diameter, about, about somewhere about the size of this room. There would be 960,000 earths inside 
the Son. And, and, and as we, we just begin to try to fathom that, we think, you know, we're in this Milky Way galaxy, and it's called a Milky Way because of how densely packed it looks. The, the, the Milky Way are the, are the billions of suns that, that are so close. But did you know the closest sun to us is 25 trillion miles away? Alpha Centauri, 25 million, or trillion miles away. In fact, one of the largest suns that's ever been discovered is called Canis Majoris. Anybody a Latin scholar here know what that means? Big dog. Big dog. <laughs> big dog. It's, it's big. And in fact, if, if the Earth were the size of this golf ball, Canis Majoris would be the size of Mount Everest. We can't conceive the immensity of the size of one sun, much less the billions of galaxies in this universe, in this cosmos. And the Word of God breathed it all into being. The immensity of the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is also, John tells us, the force, the, the light, and the life of men and women, of humanity, of all that is and moves, is that, is that He is the author and the loaner of life to each one of us. The, the ability to have this, this, this spirit and, and body and soul all comes from this hologos, this immensity of God's gift to us. And John tells us about it. But he goes on to tell us something else about this. The, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That there was an incomprehensible cost to God's gift in Christ. And the cost was the immensity of the incomprehensible holiness of God over billions of suns of, of power at shining at full strength could not display the brilliance of His holiness. This God, this incomprehensible Unbelievable, holy God poured himself into human flesh. This incomprehensible cause. And Jesus, uh, John says two things about this. One is that this life was the source of all of us that was poured into a human. He was poured into him, and it, said, it literally says that he was poured into human flesh and tabernacled. That, that, that word skene in, in, uh, in Greek or, or sochot in Hebrew is, is basically a tent. It's something that's fragile, that's, that's susceptible to rain and wind and, and time. That, that the holiness of the eternal God felt such love and pity for the brokenness and rebelliousness of humanity that he poured himself into human flesh. And John tells us that. But he also tells us one other thing. That humanity looked at that and said, nah, I don't think so. That he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. His own didn't recognize them. Gnos, to, to know. And then it says, did not recognize. Then it says, did not receive him. The, those words are not arbitrary. It's not just, I, I, I don't think I know you. Or do I? It's not that. It's, uh, I don't know you. Get away from me. That's the attitude 
of these words, gnosko and uh, lambano, to receive. That the humanity, the, that God poured himself into human flesh and human, and human said, no, nah, no, nah, not interested. But to those who did receive, to them he gave authority to become children of God. The immensity of the cost of God coming to bring us Christmas is incredible. I can barely imagine it. A few years ago, I was pretty mad about, about it as well. I, I, I tried to relate to the cost. I thought I did, but it's hard to imagine. I, I just started going, I, I, so, so many of you know, I, I served at churches for 13 years in Florida before uh, becoming an active duty military chaplain. I was, uh, it was 2002, I had felt God calling, pushing, prodding, hounding. I didn't think that I wanted to be an active duty chaplain. In fact, I opposed the idea for the longest time. And finally relented, reluctantly, to surrender to God's will. I don't know why I wouldn't want this, but I'm going to do this. So I left the parish in, uh, in Florida, right outside of Orlando. And I got up to, we drove six days, all four of us in the car. And I uh, two cars. And got to Montana. It's our first active duty assignment. I was there about a month and I was ready to leave. I was so mad I couldn't stand it. I'm going to have to talk to God. I'm sitting down in my prayer time, just, just laying my soul before the Lord. I said, I just left. I just left the parish of about 800 or so to 1,000 people. I said, I, I just finished my doctorate. I, I was on the board of directors for the Chamber of Commerce. The mayor was in my church. I, I worked with the city. I was a police chaplain. I was involved in everything, rotary and everything. I said, I go there, and the last thing I do before I leave town is to go to the city, city council where they presented me with a certificate and clapping and, oh, we love you. I said, and I go to my first assignment as an active duty chaplain. I walk in, and the, the, the lead chaplain, the wing chaplain, says, oh, we're glad you're here. He says, you see the sign in and sit on that board? I said, yes, sir. He said, so you see where your name is on there? I said, yes, sir, it's at the bottom. He said, he said, it, it's at the bottom. <laughs> you remember that. You, there are six of us. And you are number six of six. I, I, I said, okay. He said, here, here, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in charge of the, the chapel service and the Sunday school programs. I'll put you, because you just came from that. I said, oh, yes, sir. I just came from here. We had like 100 kids in youth group. We had all week long. We had programs. And children's programs, I said, yes, sir, I can, I can handle it. He said, well, we have 15 people in the chapel service. I said, what? He said, yeah, they just had two chaplains that were fighting, and so everybody left. He said, so there's 15 people in the chapel service. And he said, the first Sunday, they're used to a contemporary service. I want you to turn it into a traditional service. I said, do the people know that? He said, no. <laughs> I said, well, shouldn't we... Why don't you let me give them time to work into that? He said, oh. he said, I'm telling He said, listen, you work for me. You do what I tell you to do. I said, well, I don't know if that'll work. He said, that doesn't matter what you think. It's what I think. I mean, and so that was my introduction. Going from, from, from one life to another. And I was mad. Pride wounded and the whole deal. Okay, so, so I'm sitting there at my devotion and I've got my Bible ready. I mean, I'm going to pray. 
And the Lord is going to give me strength. The Lord is going to tell me what I can do. He's going to lift me up on wings of eagles. He's going to, going to help me be strong. And so it just so happened the scripture that, that for the liturgy for that morning uh, was this. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 starting in verse 5. It said this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, the morphe of God, by the way, he did not count equality with God a thing to be clutched onto, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I sat there reading that. And I heard this little voice whisper in my head, so you want to be like me? <laughs> and, and I began to realize that, that the cost was something beyond anything my petty little attitude could bring. The cost to God of pouring himself into human frost was incredible. So as I go back home and I start looking at the presents under the tree and thinking, what's the biggest? What's the most expensive? That which costs someone the most. What's the most precious and valuable? Or what's the one that somebody planned for a long time? It's going to be Jesus. So I hope as you go back, open the presents under the tree. The real reason for Christmas and the present beyond presence is something precious to you as well. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious and holy God, your gift of yourself is beyond comprehension, and we thank you. And we receive it with love and 